0: So we will be in Hebrews uh, chapter 12 this morning, and I think there it is, and the writer of Hebrews says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So both of my parents are school teachers, which means even when I left school, I was still in school. Um and my mom has taught literally everything, so it was one of those of there wasn't a subject I could get away from, like I didn't have the excuse of going, I don't know, I guess I'll just, you know, not finish my homework and just take it to school tomorrow because my mom would then proceed to teach me, which was good, and also the fact that I could never get out of not doing homework, Um, but part of that, uh, she was an English teacher, and for a little uh, word play, At the beginning of this verse, we see the word therefore, and the cheesy kind of memory game that she taught me with this is, whenever you see therefore, you want to ask, what is the therefore, therefore? And so, when we look at this and see, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we need to go back and go, okay, so where is this coming out of? And so, we go back to Hebrews 11, and we won't throw this up on the screen, but if you spend any time in church uh, this passage kind of gets nicknamed the hall of faith chapter um, where the writer of hebrews just kind of lists out all of our old testament he- uh old testament heroes so you've got abraham isaac jacob joseph moses david solomon just kind of the all-star roster if you would and when we look at this, um, one of the characters that we see that compared to the others, and most of the characters in this chapter to some extent will have a personal failure. So um, you look at Abraham and you look at his kind of refusal to acknowledge his wife, apparently when he went out in public a lot of times. Um, you've got Isaac, who uh, just wasn't the best dad. In a lot of ways, you've got Jacob, who was the uh, rebellious son who stole from his brother and was then shocked when his brother wanted to kill him. Um, But one of the characters kind of put in there is Joseph. And what I want us to do this morning is look at the story of Joseph different than how we would typically teach it to our children's um, kind of church ministry. Um, Because typically, the story of Joseph, we take it of, yeah, Joseph was the coat of many colors, and fast forward, and he's number two of all of Egypt, and then we move right on to Moses. And we don't really take the time to look at what would be considered the failures of Joseph's life. And so we're going to flip to the very beginning of the Bible and go to Genesis chapter uh, 37. And in classic uh, Baptist fashion, I have three failures uh, from Joseph's life I want us to highlight and look at this morning. And so if you know the story, Joseph um, is one of the sons of Jacob, who is also known as Israel. Um, it is the, the uh, Israel is where the uh, 12 tribes come from, those are Joseph's brothers, and so From what we see, Joseph is dad's favorite. Dad gets him that beautiful coat of colors to show his favoritism. His brothers hate him. And when we skip down to verse 12, or we pick it up down there, Joseph is going out to meet his brothers uh, because his father said, hey, go check in on them. So Joseph's making his way out to see them. And in verse 19, his brothers see him from a distance. And they say, here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him, and then we'll see what comes of his dreams. And we'll skip down to 23. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe that he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty, and there was no water in it. So, from what we see in Scripture, around this time, Joseph is about 17, um, and his brothers are grown men. And so, when we read this, it's kind of putting on, uh, not our imagination caps, because we're not adding to Scripture, but we're reading it through a lens of, what would this actually look like? and it's not that they just gently gave him a nice bear hug and very gently said, "Hey, let me have this and now we'll gently put you like here, let's like take a rope and gently get you down into no. this cistern." Instead, it's this idea that his brothers ganged up on the younger brother and beat him, stripped him and threw him in a deep hole, right? All for Joseph doing what his father was asking him to do. So the first failure I want us to look at is this idea that one of the failures from Joseph's life was a failure through betrayal by family for obeying his father. And what I mean by that is oftentimes when we think of failure, we're thinking of, okay, personal failure. Here's what someone has done that in their life is a failure. But instead it's this idea that Oftentimes we can look at our life and we can look at our circumstances and it can look like failures. And to other people, it would look like failures. And so Joseph getting beat up by his brothers and thrown in a hole, and then later in verse 37, we'll see him being sold into slavery. I don't know about you, I would qualify that as a personal failure of life. Um, Going from dad's favorite being able to have the run of the house to being sold into slavery, being sent to Egypt. And then we continue on. We're gonna skip over to verse 39, or chapter 39, sorry. And so then we get Joseph heading to Potiphar's house. And so in verse two it says, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And so The captain of the guard of uh, Egypt, his name was Potiphar, and so Joseph, uh, being sold in slavery, gets sold to Potiphar, and what we see is the Lord was with Joseph. So despite being sold in slavery, despite being sent to a foreign land, despite being taken away from his father and his family, the Lord is still with Joseph. And we see that the Lord gives success to Joseph in everything that he does, so much so and remember, Joseph is a slave, and we see in verse 6, So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. So the Egyptian captain, the guard, has seen such, such success with this Hebrew slave that he puts him over his whole house. Right. So in the midst of Joseph's what would look like failure, from the betrayal of his brothers, God has used that to push him forward into success. But those pesky Egyptian women. Later in this chapter, we see Potiphar had a wife who uh, thought Joseph was the stuff. Um, And so even scripture says that uh, Joseph was well-built and handsome and that Potiphar's wife found him very attractive and said, come sleep with me. And Joseph, a man of integrity, goes, absolutely not. We see, he says, my master has put me over all things except you. How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And if you know the story, Potiphar's wife continues to persist, persist, persist. One day Joseph is going to do his job at the house, and... All the servants for some reason are gone except Potiphar's wife and she sets a trap Joseph still says no but runs out of the house without his clothes trying to get away from this woman and Joseph takes the fall Potiphar's, Potiphar returns and his wife says look at what has happened this Hebrew slave of yours has tried to make sport of me and what we see at the very end of that chapter Potiphar says, or when his master heard the story of his wife saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And so the second failure we see of Joseph's life is this failure by fighting sin and being a man of integrity. So not only do we see from an outside perspective, it would look like Joseph's life is marked by failure. So his brothers betray him, sell him to slavery. Then he does well for his boss. His boss' wife wants to sleep with him. He says no, and he still ends up taking the fall and ends up in prison, having his reputation and character put into question. But we see at the end of the chapter, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all of those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care, because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So again, we see as Joseph's life would seemingly be marked by failure, God is still with Joseph Joseph. And so we continue to kind of weave through uh, Joseph's story, and we get to kind of one of the more common parts that we teach our children, which is the story of the cup bearer and the baker. And so while Joseph's in prison, there's the king cup bearer and his chief baker get thrown into prison, and they both have dreams. And while Joseph is in charge of the prison, he comes to him and goes, Why are you? downcast and they go oh we've both had dreams and Joseph's response and remember Joseph has been sold into slavery thrown into prison and Joseph's still giving honor to God when he responds with this do not interpretations belong to God tell me your dreams and so the cupbearer and the chief baker they tell Joseph Their dreams, and he interprets them and tells the cupbearer, Hey, you're gonna, in a few days, you're going to be restored to your place. And to the baker, he says, Not so much. You're gonna be stuck and hung high. And as Joseph had interpreted three days later, uh, when Pharaoh, uh, it was his birthday, he brings out both the Cupbearer and the chief baker, and things were fulfilled as Joseph had interpreted those dreams. And so we see this cupbearer who was in prison, risk of death, gets set free, and is comforted by the words of Joseph. We see at the very end of verse or chapter 40, in verse 23, it says, The cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. And then the very next chapter, at the very beginning of it, it says, When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. So what we see is the third failure of Joseph's life is this idea of failure by serving those around him. Again, Joseph is doing um, what is in front of him. He is serving those and ministering to those around him and is still being left in what would appear for us failure. Um, at this point, so if Joseph was 17 and we're looking, okay, so this has been this many years, now he spent two years in prison. At some point, I'm kind of asking myself, when is Joseph going to get kind of frustrated at all of this? When is Joseph going to just kind of throw his hands up and say, okay, enough's enough. This, I'm, I'm over this. But we see Pharaoh has his dream, And when Pharaoh, so finally the cupbearer, you know, after two years goes, oh yeah, that guy. Tells Pharaoh, Pharaoh calls him in. And here's what Pharaoh asked him. He said, I had a dream that no one can interpret, but I've heard it said that you, when you hear a dream, can interpret it. And Joseph's response is, I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. So despite this at this point, almost half of his life being marked by betrayal and accusation and all of these things, we still see Joseph giving honor where honor is due to the Lord. And then at close to the end of chapter 41, we see so Pharaoh made Joseph in charge of everything after interpreting this dream, because he says, Hey, you're gonna have seven years of good harvest, and then you're gonna have seven years of famine. You should probably prepare. And Pharaoh goes, you're a real smart guy. You're going to do it. And it says, Pharaoh said, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger, dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in a chariot as his second in command. And people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land Of Israel. And so we see all these little things happening, right? So sold into slavery, accused and had his character brought into question, forgotten after serving his fellow man, and to quickly kind of push through to get to the end of this. So Joseph's brothers are also part of uh, the famine that's going on, and so they hear that Egypt has figured out how to store food and in the seven years of famine they're the only place to get food and so Jacob tells his sons go to Egypt to buy food and they go Joseph recognizes them they don't recognize him there's kind of this back-and-forth in which Joseph is able to bring his younger brother Benjamin to see him and then he reveals himself to his brothers of who he is And they are rightly terrified and he goes no I forgive you bring our father to us and so the brothers go back bring Jacob and they live just right outside of Egypt but then at the end of the book of Genesis Jacob dies and in verse 50 picking up in verse 15 Of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept." And so we see this Joseph has time and time again proven himself to be a man of character, to be a man of integrity, to be a man of the Lord. And despite all those things, his brothers are still questioning his character. And as men of God, oftentimes We have a track record of being men of character and men of integrity, and it can be frustrating when it seems like that character keeps getting called into question, despite going, no, look, like time and time again, I've proven that not to be true. And so Joseph's brothers come, and they threw themselves before him, and they said, we are your slaves, but catch this, Joseph says, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he assured them and spoke kindly to them. What we see from Joseph is this idea of failure from a worldly standpoint doesn't mean necessarily failure for the people of God. Oftentimes, what can look to the world like failure is actually moving forward and advancing what God has planned and intended for good purposes. And so when we think about the story of Joseph, and we go back to Hebrews chapter 12, and we think about therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, when we think about the story of Joseph being one of these witnesses that surround us. We're encouraged when obedience to God would look like failure to the world. We can be encouraged when being men of integrity and that costing us something, that'd be okay because we've got a cloud of witnesses that have went before us who have endured similar struggles. When we serve out of a compassionate, open-handed heart and it is neglected, it doesn't matter because we're not, we don't do things for the affirmation of man, we do it for God. And so when it says, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles, as men, it's one of those of we're not called to set, we're called to run, as we see with Joseph. At no point is he not moving forward. He's serving his father. He's sold into slavery and ends up with Potiphar. He's still working. He ends up in charge of the whole house. He gets thrown into prison. He's running the whole prison. He ends up second with Pharaoh and he's running the whole country. As men of God, we are called to move the ball forward. To get rid of the weight that can entangle us from pursuing what god has for us and that's both things that aren't necessarily sinful they're just things that aren't best and so we get rid of that and the sin that so easily entangles and then verse 2 says fixing our eyes on jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith and some translations would say the founder and the finisher of our faith and so in those moments where we see personal failure happening or when we see failure happening to us or around us from other people we fix our eyes on jesus because he who began a good work in you will be faithful to finish it right for the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of god Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And so as men, this is our encouragement is that as we continue to pursue the Lord, as we continue to pursue holiness, whether that's in our families, in our workplace, in our life groups, wherever God has placed us, we're pursuing the Lord, and in doing so, we bring honor to Him, despite how other people might respond, because it's not about how other people view us, it's about how God views us, right? And so, my encouragement for us is, because the series Failing Forward, it's this idea of, oh, well, if I have failed, I can still move forward forward. But what I want to encourage us with is that when the world might fail us, we as men of God can continue to move forward because it's not about how the world treats us. It's about how our Father has treated us. So let me pray for us. And then, um, yeah, they weren't kidding. They They love when I talk. I'm short and sweet and to the point. Rex will get to leave at 7. He's so happy. Um, But yeah, let me pray for us, um, and we will uh, be dismissed. God, I thank you for these men. I thank you for just the encouragement of the life of Joseph that despite the circumstances the world can put before us, and the trappings and the obstacles that have been placed in front of us, that you have called us to run with endurance, Uh, that you have gone before us, and that you have promised to never leave or forsake us. God, may we be men who would fix our eyes upon you, uh, to pursue you passionately, to live out your story uh, unashamedly, that it would not be by our talents and skills that you have given us but that we would declare it is by your goodness and your grace for your glory alone that we see success in our lives both when we would see it as a success and even when the world would see it as a failure that we know that you are the good God who is working all things for the good of those who love you. God, I thank you for these men. I thank you for the opportunity we have just to open your Scripture and to hear from you, God. It's in the beautiful name of Christ we ask these things. Amen.